2: Welcome to it. It is Championship Friday on Hale Varsity Radio. Courtside at PBA again as the C2 final set to tip off the 4 o'clock session. The second session underway coming up at 6 over on Sister Station. Locally KFOR, Jeff Moats going to have the Class A girls final with uh, Lincoln Southwest and Fremont. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, great to be with you as it has been just a, an incredible week of tournament coverage and uh, live shows here at PBA. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 3776 800-825-5865. can email chris at halevarsity.com. Some of the Southwest students are already making their way into uh, plot out their area. Uh, No junior siding yet. I know you're wondering on that. Elijah, what do you know, man? Uh, We're a couple of days away from uh, maybe spring, finally uh, springing forward. Uh, not only time-wise, but but weather-wise, you feel it, all right? You geared up for more basketball. Yeah, I know the warm weather is coming. My, you know, my old shoulder injury is starting to give me some
3: trouble, so you can feel the, <laughs> can feel the the weather changing. Uh, I'm looking forward to this championship weekend, though. I mean, what a weekend it is for just basketball as a whole. Some of the most exciting days of the year upcoming with championship Friday day, championship Saturday tomorrow from PBA. You got selection Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Those are days that are dedicated to filling out your bracket. Doing all the research he can and then inevitably getting kicked you know where on thursday like it's just it's one of the best weeks of basketball we're gonna have over the next seven days
2: it is good and of course you're home for the ncaa tournament to espn lincoln uh with uh lots of shenanigans and fun and fun and shenanigans uh, towards the end of the week as opening round uh, gets Ronkin and rolling hooksy and Elijah and Willa Wilson are going to be down at our uh, spot Longwells for the NCAA tournament end of next week. So keep all that in mind. Uh, we'll let you know what's going on today. is also a mile marker when it comes to spring football as Nebraska had their first padded practice. Uh, let's set the lineup for you. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Wish Elijah a happy birthday uh, ahead of time. Uh, Sunday is, is well, it's shot day for, for Elijah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so that's that's the to-do list. Email chrisadalevarsity.com. So spring football mile marker day today with uh, the Big Red. Putting the pads on using a contact day and some some feedback to give you uh, with um, some folks that, that may have been there. We'll tell you that in a moment. Some questions to ask uh, about the hardest spot to replace for Nebraska football in 2022. We know the names that are working on an NFL career, but the position groups are still in flux. When you look at center and quarterback and quarter, uh, cornerback, and then of course that nickel spot and then the interior. Uh, with D-Boogie and uh, Ben Stilly uh, off to, to chase their NFL dreams. Uh, we'll check in with Jacob Padilla. He's next to me courtside. Uh, we are both slamming Mountain Dew. Jacob will give us a thought on the uh, state tournament so far, Nebraska basketball and some spring football. A Friday edition of Burke's Best Bets with Danny Burke. Friday, Chicago, VEASAN Sports Network with Brent Musburger. So Danny will give us some futures on the NCAA tournament, his thoughts on some NBA and uh, the Russell Wilson impact in Donkey Land. Bill Dolman in our two at five. Uh, We will stream yard that, Billy D from his couch. And then uh, some thoughts with the McGowan's situation uh, from Tom Penders, legendary Hall of Fame NCAA coach, five programs to the dance, his take on his dear friend Mike Sheshewski, Coach K, and uh, that farewell last weekend, and his uh, former student assistant, Chris Beard, now at Texas as Texas tries to make a run. So here's what uh, I have been told about uh, Nebraska football's scrimmage today. So, on the offensive line let 's give you a few names that uh, that we're going, and we know that this is going to be in flux right but uh, from the, uh, the the finding the five best healthy guys right now, uh, Ezra Miller and, and Kevin Williams looked to be uh, getting the nod at least for this first. Contact scrimmage this morning. Uh, Ethan Piper working at center, Hutowski working at right guard, and then Hunter Anthony working at right tackle. So we're always wondering about, you know, what's the O line going to look like? That's the biggest puzzle piece that needs to be glued down for Nebraska moving forward. Uh, Newsom and and Clark were your corners and then at safety Noah Pulla-Gates and and Buford. Uh, Giff got uh, the most look at nickel for Nebraska. So there's your back end. There's your offensive line. And you know so far reports are this. Um (laughs) <laughs> you have uh, Anthony Grant that is flashed, and really the, the job is to find that three-back rotation. Grant, you're expecting with his experience to come in and do work out of JUCO, right? It's easier said than done, at least with Nebraska's last two forays into into JUCO. Now Mills, uh, when healthy, was was pretty good when they gave him the ball. So there's where you're at with that running back spot. Grant looking all right. Fedoni's been uh, a pretty decent surprise as well. Not even surprise but uh, just you know pretty good uh, work from him so that is good to hear with him coming back and just what you want out of that that playmaker at tight end Mickey Joseph's trying to find his top nine and that continues to be a work in progress you have extra contact going on right now in front of us on the baseline between GI Central Catholic and Humphrey Uh, Holy family, as you've got a a player down that now is being helped up. Uh, Spring football, though, Elijah, it's so key to to get the the pads going and and find the direction you want to go and and feel pretty good. It's really about confidence, but more so this spring's about teaching.
3: Yeah, and and I just know everyone on that team has got to be so antsy to get the pads on and finally get some full contact scrimmage going today. I mean, that's just huge. You don't play football to be playing two-hand touch. Like, especially here at Nebraska with what this coaching staff is trying to build. No one wants to be that team that's, oh, you're wearing shells, you're going two-hand touch. Uh, everyone's going 75%. That's no fun. The teaching part's no fun. What's fun is taking that teaching stuff, what you've learned over the past week and a half, almost two weeks now, and translating it into a full contact scrimmage to, to show the team what you've got. That was loud. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that's what's fun to me, uh, and I'm sure that's what the team probably thinks is fun as well, is uh, getting that opportunity. To, uh, to get out there and pop the pads a little bit. And I'm excited just to see uh, what this team can be come uh, spring because we've talked so much about the offense, the defense, uh, what the offense can be. Can the defense step up? Can those guys uh, respond? So it starts really with these scrimmages. The teaching period is important, but these scrimmages are where you really set the tone and let the, the coaches know that you're ready to be on the field. Well,
2: uh, earlier reports today from – This morning, A, the offense had a a, a really good day. Uh, Dare I say a tail kicking. Wow. Uh, A a rough practice overall. And that's, you listen, that's okay. Uh, It's, you're not working with who you think may be the guy, but the job is to get people ready to be the guy. As GI Central Catholic just drills a three right now in front of us. Nebraska with the Whipple influence Elijah going under center quite a bit. so we heard a little bit of that earlier in the week with uh, the, the fact Whipple saying yeah we you know you want to go to the NFL cool um, <laughs> uh, do uh, do that but be able to do it in the NFL with well, Nebraska going under center quite a bit and uh, from a special team standpoint uh, the review is this Nebraska has a really good punter. <laughs> uh, there was a skirmish i'm told and it really fired up the head man uh, where you had maybe a an outside linebacker uh, hit a slot guy and then hilarity ensued with uh with a fight or uh a skirmish well and i'll tell Again, you and I, w- I was not there but i uh I, I trust the eyes and ears. I'll tell you. I went to uh, back whenever uh, I was playing youth football. We
3: had Patrick Palini on my team, Bo Palini's son. Okay, yeah. How was Patrick? Uh, good kid. Uh, he is uh, was a walk on for five years at Notre Dame. Yep. And yep, uh, knew that. never got in the field all that much, but now he's kind of uh, making himself uh, a, a podcaster of sorts, and then trying out in some different ventures. Good kid. Uh, haven't talked to him in a while, but we used to get a chance to, to go to practice every single year, and I always thought that was the craziest thing. Was there was just players just, like, getting in skirmishes and fighting on a Tuesday, their own teammates. And I remember thinking, like, as, like, a little 12-year-old, like, wow, I'd never fight one of my teammates. But then now I get older and I go, yeah, that's, that's the competitive totally spirit you it. need for football. And, uh, and I guess I don't know what the, the practices were like in the Mike Riley years, but you heard there was less physicality during those practices, less, less emotion. So oh, I
2: don't think brother, it's a bad thing that there, that there are some skirmishes at practice. Here's this. Uh, one of the open practices that Grandpa Riley let us go to uh, it was towards the end of it, and Riley—he didn't swear, but he like got in the middle. Uh, uh, your your boy Gerald Foster, like just started going after somebody on the defensive line, and it and it turned into a team wide throwdown. See, I, I, so everybody wow. in the media is watching this this throwdown, and Riley takes his hat off and screams and slams his, his, his hat like there was there was a pulse. There was fury. You could probably see the vein popping from Grandpa Riley's uh, jugular, and he got in the middle of it and broke it up, and, and he was hot. Riley was ticked. But there's two reasons you, you fight. A, um, you're sick of getting uh, cheap-shotted by uh, you slobs on the offensive line, as a defensive line would say, or B, the defensive linemen are sick of the offensive guys holding. So you've been hitting each other for a week. It's spring. You're, quite frankly, grinding through it and sick of it, even though it's meant to get you better. Or B, you pull the Christian Peter card, and you, you start a fight, you run some stairs, and you're kicked out of practice. So you got to go kick it. The, the second half of practice, you have a method to your madness where you just go, eh, I'm good. Uh, don't want to practice anymore. Don't need." To. We'll talk to Coach McBride about that Monday, about who was good at starting fights, and what was their motive? Were they just angry and, uh, and total BAs, or did they want to kind of go just uh, sit in the cold tub a little earlier than most? See, that the fight I remember was uh, it was a see, a goal line drill,
3: and it was the starters against the scouts, and on the scout team at linebacker was a true freshman, Michael Rose-Ivy. Jerk. And I'm trying to think who started the fight. I think it was Kenny Bell coming down on a, uh, a crackback block. That was good at that. That's what right I, think five,
2: the I think it was. I think it was Kenny Bell great.
3: on a crackback block in the goal line. and there was a 22-man scuffle in the end zone that got
2: broken up pretty quickly. But that, that's so, what I think happens. So do they let it go or uh, did they jump in immediately? Sometimes the coaches know that. All right, the temperature's rising. It's heating up. It's heating up. It's heating up. And then, all right. The top blows off, and it's time to it's time to throw it out.
3: They let it go for 10 to 15 seconds. They just let the scum go. It's just some pushing and shoving and some yelling, and then they broke it up by saying, "There's kids over
2: there. Don't let them see that." And they broke it up. <laughs> kids, turn around. <laughs> did, did Did Patrick have the same kind of Fargo wood chipper blonde guy you know stare as Bo does? What do you mean? Like, just the, the facial expression. You know, you've seen the movie Fargo. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the two criminals, not Buscemi's character, but the other guy, uh-huh. with that, with the, the guy that always had the cigarette with the blonde hair, looks. Yeah, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that guy in the face looks like Bo. You think so? Oh, think I've totally. You will have to to bring it up and, and put a side by side of Bo and the, uh, the the character in Fargo, the, the the blonde killer. They both look very similar. I'm. I'm does Patrick have the, the same? Similar facial okay, expressions Okay, yeah, yeah.
3: Now, now that you mention it, I do see the resemblance, and it's something I'd never seen before,
2: actually. Yeah, it, it's, it's the, the wood chipper guy. It, it's, all, it's all in the nose and the jawline. The nose and the jawline yes. is very similar. Yeah. Uh, numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. 6, 6, 7, 7, 8, 5, 5, We're here at PBA Courtside. The C2 Championship going on, just underway uh, in this first quarter. About 2.20 left in Grand Island Central Catholic up 9-4 to four over Humphrey-Lindsey-Holy uh, family. And uh, coming up, Jacob Padilla will talk some high school ball with us, some spring football, and uh, we'll also get best bets with Danny Burke. Uh, he'll join us, uh, get his thoughts on some Big Ten futures, NCAA tournament. Who's he's, who is he hitching his wagon to? And uh, Rutgers, a, a big win. Big Ten Uh, Listen, I know Indiana is surging right now. They're good enough to be a tournament team, so that's good for the Big Ten. Right now, Joey Brackets has 11. Check that, 9. 11's way too many. 9 might be too many, but 9 Big Ten teams in right now. The last team to get in, period, point blank, is Indiana as a 12 seed. I think they uh, have played their way in now in the semis to maybe jump Michigan. They still have Michigan in as an 11 seed uh, somehow as the last team with a bye. I think Michigan's in danger of falling off. Ohio State is still safe, allegedly, uh, as a 6 seed, which I think is way too. High. I think Ohio State may drop to a 10. Maybe I'm nuts. They have Sparty as a 7, which I think's crazy as well. But maybe they beat Michigan State tonight. Uh, Michigan State at a 7. You have Wisconsin as a 2. The, the class of the Big Ten, Illinois, a four seed. We'll see if they hold as a four or drop down to a five. Rutgers looking for a back-to-back uh, NCAA tournament appearances in over 44 years. They're in, in at an 11 seed, Purdue a three, and uh, Iowa at a five. Iowa playing great basketball right now. A timeout, Jacob Bedilla next from PBA. It's Hale Varsity Road Show Friday, Championship Friday.
1: Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes! That's awesome! Back here, Hale Varsity Roadshow Courtside PBA Championship Friday. Uh, and Jacob Padilla with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. All things uh, college basketball, all things high school basketball. Jacob, every time I see you, buddy, you've got uh, you a grin on your face. You're uh, you're all about high school hoops. How was the first session of Championship Friday treated you? Pretty good. Uh, we've got that overtime
4: right off the bat here. Uh, we've got a close game. Got one not so close. So it's uh, we've got it. Uh, we've got pretty much everything already in in the first session. With three more to come.
2: Yep, and uh, we're gearing up here for uh, Humphrey. And uh, Grand Island Central Catholic Ron Colley able to get a little revenge against Scott in uh, the earlier contest at two o'clock. We've got a few friends and uh, some folks we know that are all Lincoln Lutheran, so they're a little, little sad. Uh, and then uh, just from a personal note, we are big uh, Tim Beretta fans with Lincoln Southwest. The girls A game tips off at KFOR tonight at six. But w- what have been your impressions? We'll hit Husker Hoops. We'll hit a little spring football. But overall, what, what's this 2022 tournament uh, meant to you?
4: It, it, it's been pretty awesome. We've had some really great storylines. We've had the favorites holding serve in some of them and in others we had some upsets right off the bat. I mean, there were two, three, uh, eight over one upsets already. I was there for the Fort Calhoun win first time at state uh, in 99 years when they go yeah. and knock off the number one seed. Uh, that, that And then they almost did it again in the, in the semis. That one went down to the wire and lost that one in overtime. So um, I, I think this tournament's been been pretty awesome here. I've been able to bounce around between PBA and, and Devaney Center kind of catching it. Uh, trying to see as many different teams and as I could and uh, it's been a great week so far, culminating here with uh, the first, first session of uh,
2: championships in the book. I was pretty impressed. Uh, I'd seen Gretna earlier in the year and their, um, the, the, their effort and fundamentals, and of course what they were able to do, and, and they hung in as long as they could in the semis, uh, but just wasn't to be uh, against Millard North. Now it's, it's the, the trilogy coming up tomorrow night with Millard North and and Bellevue West. And Green is such a difference maker, but he's such an unselfish superstar. Yeah, for sure. And
4: you look at his stat line, and he basically impacts the game in every single way possible. Double-double guy, leading the state in blocks, couple of seals a game, shooting well from three, obviously scoring at a high rate inside the arc. Um, so he just basically does everything you want to ask him to do. Um, shares the ball with his teammates as well. He's got some guys that are capable of scoring. When he, uh, but when you need him to step up, he'll go and do that as well. So uh, he's, he's been so much fun to watch this season, even in their losses. He almost single-handedly dragged them back into a couple of those games this year. Uh, against belvey west uh in the metro tournament where uh against west where it looked like they were dead and he would not let them lose easily so um he, he's had a phenomenal season and i'm glad he's getting a chance here to now at this stage as the lead guy get a chance to go go out and win
2: a title after kind of standing in the shadows behind the other guys the last couple of years what do you foresee tomorrow night at six here at pba what's what are a couple of keys for, for Bell Weston and, and for Miller North? Yeah, um,
4: should be a great matchup. You, you talk about Jason Green. Bell West, uh, William Kyle III has not missed a shot this, this state tournament. He's got 28 He's points awesome. on 14 of 14 shooting. Huh. I haven't. I don't think he's turned the ball over. 15 boards in two games. Such a good defensive presence. So seeing Green and Kyle kind of go back and forth, guarding each other, being the weak side help defender, helping other guys out. Um, that's going to be a fun battle inside. And then the guard matchup as well. David Harmon and Josiah Dozler. both guys that can take over a game uh, in different ways, uh, but they can both uh, re- really put up 20, 30 on you. Uh, really good at getting to the rim. So. Uh, it might come down to combination of shot selection and guys hitting shots. If they're making good decisions on between the drive and kick versus drive and finish, if they're taking the right threes, whichever side kind of um, plays into that well, um, kind of keeps their composure. I think will have a chance to, to to win the game.
2: I thought Miller North got a lot of confidence early against Gretna, uh, and, and they hit some big threes early. Yeah, four of their first six, and uh, that that with Gretna with that zone and the way
4: they were guarding you. It was going to be there, and right away they knocked down four of them, four of their first six, like I said. They didn't need another one the rest of the game, but they already had the lead at that point. The damage was done, and then they were able to play with the lead and kind of dictate the action after that. So that is the one big weakness for this Millard North team is they're shooting 30-ish, maybe not even that, percent from three on the season. They've got guys that are capable of hitting shots, but they haven't done it consistently. So uh, Bellevue West, on the other hand, has a handful of guys that – uh, has shot a pretty well, a pretty good percentage this season. So that could ultimately be a decision maker. But here at PBA, you never know with the sight lines and everything. Um, to, to expect uh, a great three-point shooting game—that's not. You don't want to go in there banking on that.
2: Jacob Adilla with this courtside PBA Championship Friday Roadshow with Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Jacob let's talk Nebraska basketball—a tough finish against. Northwestern, it was there, then it wasn't, kind of a microcosm. Timeline for you on changes. Does it come after the NCAA tournament? Is it something that you think happens mid-tournament? What's your feel here with where Fred goes? from a change standpoint? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how
4: he plays uh, how he plays it. Obviously, the, the Final Four is basically the biggest coaching convention every year. Like, everybody goes there. They all hang out. They all rub elbows. Um, that, that's a huge part of the hiring process every year is everybody getting together, uh, talking to different guys and that. So um, I, 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 I pro- we probably, before we get to the Final Four, hear about uh, any departures from the staff. Um, Because then I think that would play a big part into Fred going out and finding the replacements. Uh, But, I mean, season just got over. I think they got to have time to sit down, probably have their exit interviews, kind of look back on what happened this season, and then uh, go forward and make the decisions. Jacob,
3: what about player departures? I mean, we saw this team start to, to come together at the end of the season this year, and we've talked so much this year about just problems with, with the, the way this roster was made up. But now, after we saw them kind of hit their stride a little bit at the end of the season, are you still feeling the same way that there needs to be an overhaul of this roster this offseason? Uh, I, I, I think, again, with, with the team, with
4: the class already signed, uh, and heck, one of those players is already on campus, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be an overhaul. You've got a guy like C.J. Wilcher, a guy like Wilhelm Breinbach should be back. Um, so some of these young guys that, that played roles this year um, that you expect to come back. Uh, I think Derek Walker is kind of a big question mark. Like that's the most likely of the guys that can come back, um, I think, to come back. So, he's one of those ones where you're going to have to have that conversation and figure out what his plan is and, and then move forward from there. But with, with Brian Bach, with Wiltshire, um, you've got a nice little kind of combo there. You've got uh, a guy in, coming in from Juco ranks, big guy, Blaze Kita, um, to, to kind of give you some more size. Um, so, th- that's kind of what you're building around. And then I think more so than an overhaul, um, I, I think they're going to have to go out and land. Uh, a key piece, uh, probably a point guard, uh, a guy that can go out and create offense for you because um, I still think a lot of those guys coming back and the guys they're adding are more complementary pieces. Um, you're going to have to replace what you're getting from the good uh, stretches of Alonzo Virginia, we saw down the stretch how important his play was to this team, and when he was on um, they, they, they were winning games, so if they can find the right fit in terms of a transfer point guard to lessen some of that pressure on a guy like Rummel, uh Lloyd to come in and have to be the starting point guard and play 30 minutes a game right off the bat um, I think that is the biggest order of business in this offseason once they figure out the staff portion of it.
2: Were you encouraged or did you ever question Fred's system? Was it more about the execution? Did, did, the, did the, 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 uh, the finish show you anything?
4: Yeah, no, it's, it, I never really questioned Fred too much in terms of X's and O's and what he's trying to get his guys to do. It's just a matter, was it clicking? Were the players understanding the way he was teaching it to them? And were they capable of doing what they needed to do for it to work? Uh, But the system itself, Fred Fred knows X's and O's. It's kind of some of the other things I think that um, has led to some of their struggles recently. So we saw when things were clicking what it looked like. And they were playing the way that he wants them to play in those wins. And even in that Northwestern game, until things, things got difficult and then they kind of fell back into their old traps. But... Um, the fact that they were finally able to get it, I think, shows that, hey, this is what it's capable of when you do it right and you've got the right guys in the, the key spots.
2: So how are you wagering with funny money? 0 for 2 on the McGowans, 1 for 2, or 2 and 0? I, I think probably
4: 0 for 2. I think both guys, they got their chance to come and play to go. Obviously, were was shorter than they were both yeah. hoping for, but um, they were able to kind of check that off their, their bucket list. Um, and I think both are probably ready to move on to the next stage. Um, I haven't asked it; it was just kind of me speculating or sure. whatever. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. I think with Bryce's recent play, and also once they kind of dive into the season and see, like, all right, what he was he was doing, why, what was the reason for some of the the the, the inefficiency and you consider the the difficult cir- circumstances he's playing in I, I think he'll be a solid uh, have a chance to be uh, maybe in that 20 to 30 range um so not a lottery pick but good enough to get in uh getting with a good team and have a chance to develop next year
2: i think late first early second that's yeah. kind of the projections we, we've both seen jacob Bedillo with us here jacob just a couple of minutes and thanks for joining us uh courtside uh spring football that that mile marker met. At least the, the first padded practice scrimmage today. Uh, I had a different look in O line from uh, what I have heard, but that's to be expected with the injuries. Uh, position group you're kind of focused in on. Is it the line? Is it the secondary? What are you uh, What are you interested to see maybe kind of come together here? Come uh, come early April. It's probably more secondary for me, just knowing the key pieces that are still going to be out all
4: spring for the offensive line, because you could. You feel good about a, a five that you get make it through the spring with, and then you get those guys back, and suddenly it's probably going to look a little bit different. So it's hard to, I think, will be hard for them to flesh out. It, they're going to be working more towards, all right, technique and understanding the new, the new coaching and all that stuff, more so than establishing the, the five and um, depth chart and all that kind of thing uh, for the offense line. And that's really important, obviously. Um, I just don't know that it'll be what it looks like at the end. Secondary, though, I think you'll have a, a lot of key pieces in the mix there. And those jobs are up for grabs. And you, you know the way that Travis Fincher coaches his group, uh, the standard he holds them to and um, all that sort of thing. Obviously, you've got Quentin Newsome coming back. You feel pretty good about him winning one of those jobs. But you've got some newcomers. You've got some guys that have been in the program for a few years. And seeing kind of those guys go at it for those spots. A guy like Marquise Buford, who um, it looks like is focusing more at safety now um, with the guys they lost at that spot. He's a guy that's played both. Uh, throughout his time in Nebraska already. Um, he's another intriguing name in there, plus the newcomers. Um, so I think secondary uh, is probably one that is most intriguing to me right now.
2: Well, got some guys that are there and, and some guys that are waiting to flash. They've been in the program, and Noah Pola Gates, uh, Newsom, and Clark. Uh, you got Hill that's done pretty well uh, by reports, or at least some innuendo Uh, at that other corner spot. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Jacob, always love to hang out with you here at PBA with State Tournament Action. A quick timeout. Thanks for your time today. All right. Enjoyed it.
1: And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio uh, PBA. Court signed for Championship Friday. It's time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke with us from Veason Sports Network. At Danny Burke5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, Championship Sunday looms with Selection Sunday. How are you? I'm
0: good, Schmidt. I'm getting excited. Obviously, like I've said before, it takes me a little bit to get fully invested in college hoops, but we're right in the thick of it. So, uh, yeah, absolutely pumped forward. And, uh, you know, even though Nebraska blew the lead, got our hopes up a little bit, at least they still covered against Northwestern. So, you know, in my business, that's all that matters.
2: Uh, Covering is key. Did you get it at four or four and a half?
0: Exactly, yeah. I I got the four in the hook. So, you know, it came through for us. I was still obviously disappointed they blew it because that's three losses against Northwestern. And uh, people I know that went to the university always like to give me crap. So I need the boys to get one when it comes to football season.
2: Well, a couple of ball games tonight the uh, semis for the Big Ten. You have Michigan State and uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin minus three Sporty has really struggled. They've got the, the win over. Purdue not long ago to kind of shake themselves out of that funk, but they've been in a bit of a tailspin. Uh, Penn State, a wow comeback against Ohio State. They're getting 10 and the hook against Purdue. Any of these trip your trigger. The
0: Michigan State and Wisconsin game is moving the needle for me as opposed to the other one. So this game opened up like two and last I checked, Schmidt, it went up to three in favor of Wisconsin and I don't disagree with that movement whatsoever. I'm not necessarily the biggest badger basketball fan per se, but in this game I'm trending toward that being the side I like. Look, Tom Mizzo in March is always the solid side to wanna to bet on and I, I get it. They, you know, they still want to garner some more momentum as they head toward the big dance, but, you know, Wisconsin, to me, that game against Nebraska, I mean, they were already celebrating getting to share of the Big Ten title. They were getting cocky before they were even playing Nebraska, and them being a double-digit favorite was, despite how bad Nebraska had been, the momentum they built – seemed like that line was too high now obviously them losing on their home floor and then impacting the seating i feel like they're going to be ticked off coming into this game against michigan state they're not going to be lackadaisical about it like they were against the huskers and i know that davis got banged up but it looks like he's going to go and aside from that statistically michigan state actually matches up pretty well but at this point, when you get to these tournaments and conference plays, Schmitty, I think you got to go with the best player in the conference, the more experienced team, and the team that has a little bit more of that, hey, we got a match on our shoulder because of that loss to Nebraska type of angle. So I'd probably lay a little bit more and go with the Badgers on the money
5: line.
2: Danny Burke is with us. Proud of Chicago, Burke's best bets, uh, live here at PBA. Championship Friday with Hale Varsity Radio. Iowa has uh, an incredible player, uh, as does Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois uh, got uh, shaken a little bit, uh, upset by Illinois. Illinois, I think, has played their way into maybe off of the, the last team in to, to maybe one of the four teams that that get the last bye. I think Michigan's up in the air. People still seem to love uh, what uh, what has been going on. Uh, with uh, Ohio State. I know, didn't they beat Duke earlier in the year? That's carrying a lot of weight. Ohio State's not been good either. Danny, I know the Selection Sunday's coming up this weekend. That said, uh, is there uh, a team you feel great about going into even before the the matchups are set? Yeah, Schmitty, I mean,
0: it, it seems like and it seems like this every year, I guess, maybe not every year, but a majority of the seasons, it's like, oh, it's top heavy. You have confidence in these top five or six teams, right? And Gonzaga, obviously, is always up there, but I feel like it's just one of those teams I can't trust until it actually comes through to fruition. And I'm kind of with you on the SEC. I'm not too bullish on them, so I'm not really too high in a team coming out of the SEC Big Ten, I wanted to say Illinois, but based on the performance we saw today, it kind of knocks down some confidence. Again, they had a really rough outing, and they could absolutely put it together during the tournament. I don't know if they have enough to, to have what it takes really to win the whole thing. Final Four, sure, beyond that, I'm not really certain. Uh, Kansas was a team based on the players they had that I actually took a flyer on earlier this season. So from that personal standpoint, I'll be I'll be sweating them out throughout the tournament. They've kind of had some moments where they haven't looked too good, so that worries me a little bit. I know Arizona's a really popular team to look forward to. The last time I trusted Arizona was that DeAndre Eaton team. I had them going the whole way, and then inevitably then they lost in the first round. So uh, <laughs> a little bit of bad blood between me and the Wildcats. But now, truthfully, I do think Arizona could be a top contender as well. But honestly, Schmidt, at this point in the year, if you're looking for futures bets, unless it's like, a middle-of-the-pack, the lower-tier type of team, I really don't see too much value unless you're all gung-ho about one squad. Because otherwise, I think I'm just going to take it on a game-to-game basis, right? And, and I honestly think that's the best way to go about it once you get to this point. Because what it comes down to with the futures is value. And all the value in most of these teams is already gone at this point because you already understand what kind of squads they have. It doesn't mean a lower-tier team can't go on a run and you can cash on it, but it's a lot harder to pick out which of those teams you want to bet on. So for me personally, I have a few teams that obviously I'm pretty high on. Doesn't mean I'm going to bet them in terms of the futures, but I'll definitely be looking to bet them so on a game-to-game basis. In some of those squads, like I talked about, being in Arizona, being in Illinois despite what happened to them. Illinois could be a byload team now, ATS-wise, because of how they got eliminated early. So those are some squads I'm looking out
3: for. Danny, a few minutes left here. I want to go to some NBA. We had a, a big performance last night from the Brooklyn Nets as they took down the uh, 76ers, and now the 76ers and the Nets uh, both have the same odds to win the NBA East. Uh, and We also have the, the Milwaukee Bucks at a slight favor. All these teams still plus money, though. Is there any team you like? Are, are you buying on the uh, the Nets now that they, they took down the 76ers in such, such convincing fashion last night?
0: Yeah, I don't really want to overreact too much to that win, albeit it was a huge one, and I think that has some ramifications in terms of the MVP award because you can't lose that game with all the narratives at home if you're Joel Embiid. But aside from that, I have a ticket plus 850 on the Sixers to win the Eastern Conference, so I'll definitely be rooting for that. But if I have to pick a team aside from the Sixers, Look, I'm just not too sold on the net. I mean, you got to get the mandate lifted for Kyrie Irving for me to want to strongly consider them. And it's not that I think it was an unsuccessful trade in the long run, but for this season, I think it is. To assume Ben Simmons and all these parts can put it together and link up very successfully throughout a cruel and really just tough Eastern Conference in those series, that's a tough ask. Next year, sure, maybe, but... This year, I'm not pulling in on the Nets. I take the Sixers over them. And the next team, I, I, it's got to be the Bucs again for me. Who the hell is stopping Giannis? This team, if they can stay healthy, they got enough role production from their bench. Giannis, again, is unguardable. And then you've got to worry about Chris Middleton in the pick-and-roll game. I like the Bucks. I like the Sixers. And then I'd probably go Heat over the Nets as well. But I'm sweating out the Sixers right now. Behind that, I would have to go Milwaukee.
2: Danny, to wrap, what what is uh, Russell Wilson to Denver do for you with Denver in the AFC West? Are they, I don't want to say a favorite, but are they more of a a team you could you could fall in love with here. They've been missing a quarterback for quite a few years.
0: The short answer is no, Schmidt. Does it move the needle in terms of the betting odds? Sure. And actually, the Broncos are going to become more of a short shot. But I still have the Broncos and Russell Wilson is the third best quarterback slash team in the AFC West. Justin Herbert and the Chargers in a lot better position, in my opinion. If I had to build a team around one of those quarterbacks, I'm thinking Herbert over Wilson. And obviously, Mahomes and the Chiefs are over both of those guys. So to me, yeah, it's cool, it's exciting, but guess what? Now you're in the toughest division in football, in the tougher conference in the NFL, and you're the third best team in that division. So it's cool, good for you, Denver. It's not going to be enough to get you a championship.
2: Pride of Chicago, have a good weekend, brother.
0: Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your game, committee.
2: And we're back, fellas.
0: Think we could
1: listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
5: Yes, that's awesome.
2: Second half about to start here in the C two final. You have Humphrey, Lindsey, Holy family trailing Grand Island Central Catholic. 18-15, and then uh, tonight you have the girls' A-final on KFOR locally. Jeff Moats will have that call, and uh, they're fighting Tim Berdas of Lincoln Southwest. Silverhawks trying to cut down the nets uh, for a second time in five years. Runners up, I believe, in 2019. Fremont, man, they're hungry for a title, so... Tune in to Mo- Moot tonight for that on KFOR. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, courtside at PBA a road show Friday. Bill Dolman coming up in hour two, and then some thoughts on Bryce McGowan's coach K's last dance and what's happening at Texas with uh, Chris Beard, as in. The uh, the run that the, the Bevo can make, and I know not many of us are smiling about that. But Coach Pender's good perspective on the uh, the NCAA tournament. He'll be with us in hour two four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. So, uh, props to Will Compton, of course, busting with the boys, making the roadie to... Lincoln the last couple, three days for uh, some of their pod work that'll drop next week during spring break. Uh, We gave you a little look-see into uh, just how the first padded scrimmage went today this morning for Nebraska and uh, the sounds of it from people we uh, hear from, good for the offense today, but not a happy Coach Frost as guys uh, no doubt were ready for spring break. Well. Uh, talk some spring break with Bill Dolman. So back to Will Compton. Will uh, made the, the right call, Elijah, and, and he went to Virginia's for breakfast today.
3: Yeah, great choice. Just a great choice to go to Virginia's. I mean, sitting right here next to us, you probably could have uh, stopped by and said, hey, can I get an interview? But, you know,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you. you down at PBA today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fine. But, no, I mean, the, that, that's – and we got to credit Searles we can shout into the microphone till we're blue in the face but it takes a, a guy like Searles to uh to say you know it's, it's where it's got to go <laughs> that's what's got to happen uh listen to to an offensive lineman uh so there we go Wait, did you see Sank- the,
3: did you see the picture today of them uh Will Compton Taylor Lewan, trying to do the the Hunter Anthony splits down in the field. No, I, Cause, I did cause, not.
2: Because they, they made fun of him whenever that picture came out. I know. Out, I, I, did, I, I did not wander upon that. I do know that they, I think they rocked um, the uh, last night. I think they locked they the old single barrel. So they had a, a, a plate of meat. mozi is here. He's given me, me the eye uh, about wanting the equipment. I got an hour left, cowboy. <laughs> as <laughs> so we're ready to go. So get the podcast figured out. Do so. Give us a review. Good, bad, ugly. We'll take the uh, feedback for sure. Hail Varsity Radio, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play it's where you can find us. And uh, please do that. Take us with. And hour two on the way. We'll be streaming live on ESPN Lincoln Facebook and Twitter with Bill Dolman, Elijah Herbal. The birthday boy. Send him a birthday wish or gift. Something nice. Mm-hmm. Hour 2 next, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to it. It's hour two. We're live here at PBA Courtside. Those boos aren't for Bill Dolman. It's the Grand Island Central Catholic fan base that is pissed out of their mind about a couple of travel <laughs> calls.
5: Pride of Fairberry, how are you, sir? Uh, I miss the state tournament days, man. It's uh, so much fun when uh, all the one ways become two ways in Lincoln and people get uh, all provincial about their, uh, their small town teams and think it's a big deal to come to Lincoln. Uh, that's a fun time of year to be there. It is
2: outstanding. Championship Friday. Boys and girls tournaments combined because of Big Ten wrestling last weekend. So 96 games, uh, hold on a minute, 96 games, 48 teams. You know, my math major was anything but. And uh, no games for me tonight. Jeff Moat's going to have the girls championship game tonight over on KFOR. And I'll have the boys game over on KFOR tomorrow night. But uh, a lot of coverage on ESPN Lincoln and KFOR. And we've loved covering the the area teams and some of the Metro teams. So it is an incredible time. And the lower bowl has been uh, just jam-packed. Kind of the midsection suite area getting some usage as well. And spring break is also knocking on the door. How's your week been? Uh, Have Folks sworn off weed to be able to afford gas in Denver?
5: <laughs> well, when they're on weed, they don't go anywhere, or at least they're not supposed to anyway. So uh, right. I guess Forgive people me. are saving money that way, just going and, you know, staying at home, eating Cheetos and getting high. Uh, kind, of, kind of the way it is out here. I guess they kind of came out of their stupor a little bit uh, this week with the Russ, Russell Wilson news, which, which stunned me because – you know, the, the headlines have been this blockbuster deal and, and the, the shockwaves of the NFL and, and out of the blue. It's like people have been talking about Russell Wilson going to Denver for two years now. Remember, like two years ago, it was Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson, Zach Prescott, if he was going to get released by Dallas, and Aaron Rodgers. And, and so like Russell Wilson has been on people's lips for two years. In addition to the smoke pipe, but uh, this isn't like Peyton Manning, but people are making it up to me like, oh my God, Pey- Peyton Manning out of the blue. It's like, you've been talking about it for two years. that you're going to go get Russell Wilson, if you can't get Aaron Rodgers. So apparently he's coming and they got rid of Drew Locke and his hip hop and all the other cool things that Drew Locke did except play quarterback. Well, but uh, so, yeah, it's a, that's probably the only thing that's gotten people uh, out of the purple haze is the orange and
2: blue. Uh, Elijah's been rejoicing since this went down. Tuesday was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' day. It turned into Russell Wilson day. Deshaun Watson, according to TMZ, got some great news today. No criminal charges going to be filed on him. Uh, yeah, he went
5: and relaxed with a nice massage to get, to get a break. Well, let's pray now.
2: He's going to have to switch to male masseuses, I think. Um, so let's... Uh, dive into Nebraska football a turnover now and driving to the rim and an and one for Lindsey Holy family Humphrey Lindsey Holy family and the places erupted as they have tied things <laughs> up with a chance to take the lead so spring football the first contact practice today I mean it was a scrimmage mile marker one is what we're calling it and per some uh, little birdies Uh, The offense had their way against the defense today. Two, uh, you have... Things still getting worked out at running back. He had a, a new-look offensive line, which isn't surprising, but he had a, a ticked-off Scott Frost. Again, uh, I was not there, but I trust who told me and who was there, A, that he wasn't happy with a, a skirmish that went down, and B, uh, defensively, uh, it wasn't real clean, and then offensively, it wasn't real clean. But that's, that's just going to be how it goes, uh, I, I think, at this point at this point. Mike Riley, the mullet has chimed in from Chicago and is, is praising the average Joes. We'll do that reunion that podcast someday soon this summer from a, a patio near you. But Bill, <laughs> overall, what what do you want to get out of a first week in Lincoln if, if you're Scott Frost?
5: Feistiness. If they're uh, getting at it a little bit, I, I don't have a problem with it, and I'm sure... You know scott may have on the uh outside and maybe when they got back to the coach's office they were like man they got after pretty good out there didn't they you know um you want guys to be a little feisty and care and get after each other and i'm sure that they were slow walking the break to break it all up you know you just, you just never know unless it got out of hand but i don't ever think that that's necessarily a bad thing and it it kind of galvanizes uh, your entire group on the defense and your group on the offense and pretty good chance it was you know guys along the offensive and defensive lines that were mixing it up just a little bit um boys are going to be boys i guess And, and if they care that much about their their jobs and what they're trying to do then those things are going to happen
2: bill dolman's with us hail varsity radio live at pba courtside as championship friday uh ongoing here winding down third quarter bill uh, a take on on who is king at, at starting or finishing fights during your time with the tom osborne show
5: you know i i don't remember ever getting a chance to see any of those things but you would hear that you would hear about them you know as the day went on uh i am sure that um you know the the, the peter brothers probably brought, brought a lot of new jersey with them to Lincoln and i I gotta believe that they were mixing it up uh quite a bit i don't remember who some of those instigators on the offensive line might have been but i'm sure if there was something going on jason or christian was probably right there in the mix of it i i had heard that you know one you can you can
2: start a fight out of frustration or to shake things up or two uh, it might be genius like christian Starting a fight, running some stairs, and then getting kicked out of practice. Good. I don't have to jack around practice the second half.
5: Yeah, that could have been, or, you know, they might have been doing it to toughen some guys up on the other side of the ball. You know, now the pipeline, those guys didn't need a whole lot of, you know, toughening up, let's face it. But you never know. It might have been something where you got a first-team defender going, if we're going to be any good, this guy on the second or third team at the offensive line has got to be able to, to fight. So let's see if he can fight, you know. And so maybe there was a little strategy there, but I, I'm sure that there were some pretty good, pretty good uh, uh, dance off, shall we say, back in the
2: day. Bill Dolman's with us. Uh, it is a Friday at five with the Pride of Fairbury. NBC Sports, as uh, we're courtside here at PBA. Bill, to. Uh, to look at some of the the spots here. In your opinion, what's the hardest spot to replace if you're Nebraska? Is it going to be center? Is it going to be quarterback? Is it going to (laughs) be who's stepping in for Cam Taylor-Britt. Is it JoJo's spot, or is it those interior guys? Yeah, you have a guy in Ty Robinson, but you lost uh, Damian Daniels. Damian, not Darian, but Damian Daniels. And then Stilling. I mean, a six-year super senior that really, really played well his senior season when it came to, to run
5: stoppage and also quarterback hurries. Well part of that comes down to the to the coaching staff. I think losing to Yodi perhaps on that defensive line. I think that hurts a little bit because I thought the D line played pretty well last year uh, with him and now he's gone and, and Dawson I guess is, is taking over all of that. You know in, in thinking about groupings you know you sure you got to look at the secondary because you losing three guys that played like started like 80 games you know in Britt and uh, Dismuke and uh, Deontay Williams. So that's going to be challenging, but you know, that's Travis Fisher's group. So Travis Fisher's coming back and all those guys that are in his room are guys that he's recruited. So they they ought to be quickly on the same page. So I'm not as concerned with that, nor am I that concerned necessarily with the defensive line. I, I, I think, and I'm not really concerned about quarterback, you know, Adrian Martinez, great guy, good leader, all of those things, uh, great character guy. It was, it, it was kind of time to break up. And I think that they've done a lot to upgrade that room in terms of depth. And, you know, I'm a big Logan Smothers guy because of his loyalty to Nebraska. And that seems to have been a topic over the past couple of days. And I don't think he's going to give up his opportunity without a fight. And so I respect that. But uh, it looks like Thompson uh, is kind of the guy for right now and maybe Purdy. But I, I, I think about the loss of Austin Allen. And I know you've got Volkolek and maybe Fedoni is going to be healthy and Hickman and, and some guys who have been around. But uh, Austin Allen was the go-to and the fail-safe and the default and just a great athlete and a great tight end. And I've seen a fifth-round projection. I'm thinking this guy's got to be a two- or three-round pick, 6'8", 265, and runs like he does and has sure hands. I, I think that guy is going to be a great pro. And I think just him alone on the offense – it's going to be critical, but you also have new quarterbacks, so you know, he was kind of Adrian's security blanket. Casey and all the other guys can find their own, and maybe it's moving Manning to the slot, you know, maybe that's the guy, but I think Austin Allen and Jojo Doman's personality, his work ethic, his passion, his fight, he's going to be another guy that's going to play in the NFL just because of the way he plays the game. And, you know, I read, uh, is it Kovalarek? Kovalek? I forget how to pronounce the name. But, you know, he Chris, said, I want to be Chris like Covalark. a JoJo Dolman. And so he, uh, he wants to be like a JoJo Dolman. Well, that that, that that means JoJo Dolman's impact on defense, even though it was a different position inside linebacker and nickel, he, the way he played the game had an impact in addition to what he did on the field. So those are two guys that I think Nebraska has to find – the replacements for, but yeah, groupings, um, you know, that offensive line, you, you know, Dominic or uh, Donovan Rayola's job is find it, find a, a new center and coach him up. Is that moving a guard to center whatever? That's his job. And I'm a big believer in that hire. I don't think that's a question mark at all, but find the guy, coach him up. Travis Fisher, find your guys, coach him up. Uh, Dawson, find those guys to replace uh stilly and Daniels coach him up. but, finding two special players at tight end and at that nickel or the all all over the field kind of guy that to me is the critical thing and and a lot of that's about attitude well
2: and you you mentioned uh the, the jojo spot that that nickel that linebacker the coverage the tight end guy i mean Those are two of the mismatches you see in football all the time. You go get your mismatch with your tight end, your flex guy, and defensively, if you've got that hybrid safety linebacker, that's who you stick on the mismatch at tight end or slot and also bring him off the edge to go get some pressure. Those are your your, uh, Swiss Army knife spots in college football and in the NFL. Bill, a couple four minutes here left with this this segment. So your boy Henry Rollins is coming to town (laughs) not long after the spring game. So we're just going to extend your stay, spring game, and then Henry Rollins show start ripping sleeves off your t-shirts now so uh, you feel at home at the show, I kind of kid but uh, in all seriousness we need a power ranking of the Bill Dolman spring break experience uh, from the late 80's my friend since it is spring break
5: so, so you want me to save my uh, my Henry Rollins story for when uh, Hank comes to town and uh, my, <laughs> my drumstick uh, to retell that story uh, which I happily will do so and uh, relive the legend of ben boyle but uh you know my, my spring break career was somewhat checkered early but i peaked late which is you know what you want to do i went out strong uh, a couple of my spring break destinations as a member of the uh, proud member of the theta zy fraternity at 1535 r street guys just sitting around one time going i don't know what do you want to do i don't know what do you want to do well my sister lives up in new old minnesota <laughs> up there they got a brewery So we went up, so a bunch of us piled in a car, I think one night, and went to New Ulm, Minnesota, where they uh, have Ulmer beer, and we went up there and went to, actually did go to a hockey game, that was one. Another time, we loaded up the truck and moved to, uh, went to Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, because another guy, my my sister lives in Cheyenne, Wyoming, (laughs) so we drove all night to Cheyenne. And I I think we actually uh, pulled an all-nighter and drove to Steamboat Springs and went skiing because another guy, his mom was like a state senator in South Dakota, but they had a a cabin in steamboat. So it was just always kind of these spur-of-the-moment things. But I finished strong, spring break, 1989, Daytona Beach, right around the time that MTV was making spring break the thing to do. And uh, so I I capped it off strong with my – with my good buddy Boozer Bob Frank, we loaded up a bus. Uh, by then, we could handle our alcohol a little bit better, and uh, that bus all the way down to Daytona Beach. Um, it was uh, it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your time
2: in Daytona was much better than mine. Uh, no, we will I'll just leave that. it. I'll we will we'll it. leave. We will leave my Daytona story alone, uh, just because i have to <laughs> it's court ordered
5: well it was it was at daytona beach on a, on a thing called a payphone. If people ever remember what those were that i called nebraska etv after having done an audition tape a week or two before that i made the call from a payphone uh after an all-nighter and uh quarter draws or nickel draws and which i still have the cup in my in my cabinet by the way um that I called Nebraska ETV and asked if I was going to be able to work the nebraska Oklahoma baseball game on April 9th, 1989. So it was uh, Daytona holds a special place in my heart for a number of reasons, but it was that payphone call to uh, Jim Carmichael and Steve Alvis when they said, yeah, we'll let you do the first three innings, but if you suck, uh, we're going to let Adrian Fiala finish out the game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's,
5: where, that's where I got my first uh, my first job offer.
2: The rest is history. You were there for MTV. And I was there for Jules Asner and E! entertainment. We'll uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Billy D. will we'll catch up here in a couple of weeks. I'm off to Zona next week. But thanks for a few minutes today.
5: Absolutely, and uh, all the best to the Salt Dogs and Marty Scott, who passed yeah. away this week. Uh, God bless him, and uh, and uh, the whole organization. I know people are sad over there, but he gave us a great couple of memories, and I uh, wish his family well. Bill, thank you, bud. We'll check in with Tom Penders next.
1: And now,
2: and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, we're courtside here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Hall of Fame coach and, uh, of course, five programs to the NCAA tournament. Tom Penders back with us at Tom Penders on Twitter is where you find him. Coach, got to love this time of year. The madness is real. How are you?
6: I'm doing great, Chris, and this is the time of year for me and all basketball fans. You know, you you talk about March from day one. uh, I have some former assistants that have become head coaches, and most notably Chris Beard at the University of Texas, who was my manager uh, and then his student assistant in his last year at Texas. So we talk a lot about things, and something I always emphasize to my teams, once I knew that we had enough talent, I'd always talk about March, first day of practice and every single day of practice, so when the day comes, they're ready for it. They expect to be there, knowing that I expected to be there. So there's some psychology involved in March.
2: Tom Bender's with us here on Hale Varsity, courtside at PBA. So, I want to get your take on Nebraska. You know, Fred got uh, a fourth year from Athletic Director Trev Alberts. And i mean fred has had three straight 20 lost seasons he has a five star that's projected to be in the first round of the nba draft uh bryce mcgowan's really good but this chemistry hasn't matched but i'm just wondering what's your reaction to, to fred's struggle we we all like fred and we're just kind of shocked it hasn't gone better based on his history what's your read and look at nebraska with uh with fred being here i know we talked when he got hired we were kind of all smiling about it, but, man, it's
6: been a rough three years. Yeah, well, I hope the athletic director considered this. Uh, you know, in some cases, just look at Mike Krzyzewski's first three years at Duke. Uh, you know, how he got his fourth year, he would never get it today uh, because his record was like 20 games under 500 at Duke, where they never experienced that since the 1940s when Mike first went there, he was a young guy. I was coaching at Fordham when he took the job down there. And I said, how in the world is he going to be ready for this job? And I think with Fred Hoiberg, you know, he, look, the guy can coach. It's all about getting the right players. And certainly, you know, he hit a home run with the McGowan's brothers. Uh, You know, Bryce is a heck of a prospect. He reminds me a lot of a kid I had at Texas who who should have been, uh, is, except there was a, a great divide when the Big 12 first started in 1996-97. Reggie Freeman was the best player. In other words, without Reggie Freeman, we don't even make the CBI tournament. Uh, he took us to a Sweet 16 in his senior year, averaged 23 23- Uh, points per game, and we won the Big 12 South. If you remember going back when it first began in the Big 12, we had a Northern Division, which was practically the old Big 8, and we had the Southern Division where we had all the Texas schools plus Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You had Eddie Sutton, Kelvin Sampson at those two schools. You had Baylor, which was on the uptick already, uh they had a kid named Dana Skinner uh at at center, uh put you know, NBA player. Uh I think he led the country in sh- block shots and he was about six ten, a great athlete. Baylor was really good and Texas A and M was on the uptick at that time. Uh although, you know, they weren't in the league for very long. As you know, the league was divided, stayed divided, uh the old Big Eight guard didn't think the Southwest Conference schools could compete with them, and they were very open about it. You know, Norm Stewart and Eddie Sutton in particular. But Kelvin Sampson didn't say a word because we played Oklahoma every year. And, and he and I, we, we became very close friends. And he knew what we were fighting, uh, you know, being from the old Southwest Conference going into this Big Eight. There was a lot of arrogance on the, on the uh, Northern side of the league. Like you're not going to be able to compete with us. Well, you know, we had established ourselves as a regular, you know, top 25 team that when we got a chance to play in the tournament, we didn't lose uh, in the opening round very often in my career. We usually got by the first round at least. And, You know, we we established ourselves. We knew how good we were. We played one of the toughest schedules in the country back then. We didn't have any bye games back in 1998. None. Uh, Now Texas has about nine of them. And every school in the Big 12 and the Big 10, they fatten their record up, or they try to. And all I would say with Fred Hoiberg is he should have bought himself a few more wins in November, when the when the season basically began for everybody, uh, you know he didn't schedule smart enough. And then you, the Big Ten is a great league. They, you know, didn't have the they didn't have the ESPN games every night like the Big Twelve has and the SEC has on their own network. The Big Ten, if you don't have the Big Ten network, you don't see a lot of Big Ten games. So that has a lot to do with national respect. You know, the big 10 still is looked at as a football conference and it's, it's not true. The basketball is great, but they got to get on television more. You know, Nebraska didn't have any real national games outside the BTN. And that's what it takes. You need to get on the network games. You need to get on CBS. Uh, Unfortunately, In today's world, with COVID and the transfer portal, it's a lot tougher to go from where Nebraska is now, you know, up to that 20 win uh, level. Uh, But it looks like they know how to recruit when you get a kid like Bryce McGowan as a freshman. Uh, And again, he's special. But if he goes to the NBA, unless he's a lottery pick, He'd be a heck of a lot better off coming back to Nebraska, playing for a guy who was an NBA player and coach. He knows how to get people to the league. But, you know, Bryce is pretty skinny. And I don't know where he's going to play right away in the NBA. I guess he'd be a guard and probably a point guard. But he's not really a point guard yet. You know, he's a very skilled kid. Uh, he's got a nice all-around game. He can improve his three-point shooting. Uh, He's a a great free throw shooter for a freshman. And I say that because when you're shooting under pressure in a league like the Big Ten, right away, there's a lot of pressure. And and he's done very well at the foul line, which leads me to believe he could become a great three-point shooter. But you don't want to have to learn a, a skill like that and try to make an NBA rotation, you know, to be a top eight or nine player on a team, unless it's the worst team in the NBA. And then you get beat up and you're, you're going to be injured or you're going to fight the injury bug uh, until he gets stronger. And he looks like he has the kind of body where another year or two, he's going to get up over 200 pounds. And then he can start, uh, you know, thinking about, being a player in the NBA instead of being a spectator for two or three years, uh, it would be well worth his money uh, and his future, you know, to really look hard at where he might be drafted this year. Being a first-round pick doesn't guarantee anything. If you're a lottery pick, you know, that gives you an opportunity uh, where they're going to keep calling your name to justify, you know, the – the high pick that you become. So I hope I'm not confusing the issue, but that's the truth. And it's easy now in this day and age through your coach. uh, And I used to do with every player who was an NBA prospect. I would call up the players association head in New York city or call the NBA office. They'll put you in touch with the right people. You can talk to general managers around the league. Uh, your coach can arrange it. There's no reason to make a mistake when you have talent like he does uh, and, and go on you know, an agent's advice because agents want to get a guy signed. They want to have a contract. They want to get
2: paid, don't they?
6: Yeah, exactly. They want their payday. So he's got to be smart. Go through Fred Hoiberg, you know, do the thing the right way, and he'll find out almost exactly where he's likely to be drafted and by whom. So that's what should happen with Bryce. But, I, again, it's so tough today to judge a coach in these couple of years. I mean, the last two years have been a mess. And even this year, COVID hit a lot of teams, and I'm sure Nebraska experienced some earlier this year. Uh, hopefully that's all behind us. But you know, to me, Fred gets a big mulligan. Uh, if I was the athletic director, I'd have even given him a couple of years because you know, when you're out there recruiting, if you only have one year left on your contract, good luck in recruiting. So, athletic director after this season and get that straightened out.
2: It's overtime here. The C2 final, a shot of the buzzer, shorts, two free throws missed. Grand Island, Central Catholic, and Lindsay Holy Family Humphrey tied as we are in extras right now. The A final coming up with Jeff Motes and John Harris on KFOR at 6. A timeout more with Tom Penders, Hall of Fame coach, is son's son Bryce McGollams. And uh, what's uh, Tulum here in the NCAA Tournament Hale Varsity courtside of PBA presented by the Nebraska Lottery?
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a
2: hot, preteen Swedish boy. Tom Pender's back with us. Coach, that's awesome with your your assistant and student manager, Coach Beard, uh, with your attention. What did you see in him? And did you uh, anticipate this success, not only what he did with Tech, but what he's done with, with uh, Texas? I mean, I know you're smiling that he's the head man down there.
6: Well, yeah, I had a little bit to do with him being there uh, in that he was with me for, you know, four, actually five years, he, uh, he was a red-shirt manager. <laughs> we gave him a red-shirt year because he was so great in the film room. He's somebody that, you know, I recommend it to all these young coaches and w- coaching wannabes if they want to be a head coach someday as an assistant. The most important thing for a young guy coming up is to learn how to break down film learn how to scout off of videotape, uh, and don't waste the head coach's time with too much tape, but be able to get uh, you know, a 25- to 30-minute tape for your next opponent. And you learn how to do those things, and it's a lot shorter trip from assistant to becoming a head coach. Too many assistants think it's all about recruiting. Well, recruiting is about your personality, and and being able to, you know, uh, open up a recruit and get them to talk and to anticipate meeting the head coach and coming to campus, those kind of things. And if you don't have the personality to do that as an assistant, you'll never make it as a head coach because, you know, we start the year every year, Chris. And we probably have 120 kids that we're looking at. And maybe we only have three or four scholarships. And it's important to have a guy in the film room who can, you know, uh, look at recruits, look at the videotapes, particularly these last couple of years with COVID. If you don't know how to evaluate kids on tape and you can't go out and see them in person, I don't know how in the world you're ever going to get through 120 prospects and decide who's right for you unless you have an assistant that's on the ball uh, that has a personality, and that's something that Chris Beard had. He had it as an 18-year-old freshman, uh, and I saw that in him, uh, but I see that in a lot of young guys. And, you know, I have every coach has a tree, Uh, when it's all said and done, and out at the uh, Collegiate Hall of Fame in Kansas City, you press my button under the letter P, and my face will come up, and then you press another button within that, and you see my coaching tree. And Chris Beard is part of my coaching tree. If somebody played for you, went into coaching, or was on your staff, whether it be as a student, or as a graduate assistant, and you look at the benches today, there are more assistant coaches than players on most teams. (laughs) I never had more than three assistants, I believe. And my last year was 2010. Uh, Some coaches have as many as 13, 14 assistants today. So I don't know how in the world you keep the name straight uh, for the head coaches. You probably need an assistant coach to keep the name straight.
2: Coach, going to wrap up and we'll get you back on for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Just a thought from you on Coach K's final game. I know it didn't go uh, the way Duke fans wanted, losing to Carolina at home, but what did you think of um, the tributes that poured in for Coach K, your dear friend, last weekend uh, down in Durham?
6: Yeah, you know, going back, but not too much, Mike and I played against each other when he was at West Point and I was at UConn. He was the point guard for West Point. I was the point guard and captain at UConn. Uh, And, you know, we we know each other going back then. We guarded each other so closely that he told me that he knew what kind of gum I was chewing by the end (laughs) of the ball game. But I really, Mike and I have, have maintained a friendship since then. Uh, And we even coached in the same conference back when he was at West Point, I was at Columbia, and then Fordham. We formed the MAC, the M-A-A-C. When it was a lot tougher conference with some great coaches, including Mike Krzyzewski, Pat Kennedy, who went to Florida State. But I have followed his career, only had the coach against him once, uh, and that was in the NCAA where they beat us by a point. And I joke with people now, if you lose by a point to Duke, that means you're won by 15 because you're not getting any calls. <laughs> but Mike mine. would take a bad team. He can take your team and beat you, or he can take his own team and beat you. Great coach, a better person, uh, and a guy that uh, I couldn't be happier for. Uh, and he doesn't need to win it all this year to go out the right way. He's already done it over and over and over. Uh, but his team, in my opinion, should be one of the top five teams when, it's, when the picks come out next Sunday. They have a very dangerous team, a team that if they get hot, they can win it all. And that's what the tournament's going to be about this year, uh, that you can argue about number one or two or three seeds, You could throw anybody in the one seed. The thing is, you got to win when the games are right in front of you, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mike Krzyzewski won it this year.
2: Tom Penders, Coach, we'll uh, run you down next week, get your reaction to Selection Sunday, and we'll uh, let the madness continue with some March. We're so happy to hear from you again, and glad you're doing okay, Coach, and thanks so much for the time today.
6: Always a pleasure, Chris.
2: Tom Pender's Hall of Fame coach, five teams to the dance. Jeff Motes courtside with me here at PBA Championship Friday. Little bonus coverage, overtime between Grand Island Central Catholic and Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family.
7: Motes, he a pretty good ball game, brother. Yeah, we uh, we are in overtime now, tied at forty-two, and. Now Central Catholic getting into the front court, trying to go up here and maybe draw a foul. But obviously this whole state tournament, we've seen great basketball and uh, under a different format. But I think if people have adapted to it, they've embraced it, and it's been a fun tournament to watch so far.
2: It's been a a conglomeration with uh, boys and girls the same week. And uh, again, tip of the cap to our friend Jeff Maul for what him and his crew have done and also PBA. Uh, you have you have Grand Island Central Catholic on offense right now. They're gonna attack, pull up jumper, shot long, no good, and a rebound with seven, so a chance for the win here for Lindsey Holy Family, and a foul gonna be whistled on Grand Island Central Catholic. Yep, and it's, it's, been, a, it's been an issue with free throws for both teams uh, in overtime and, and splitting as time wound down. We got about a minute here before a break. Uh, and and we'll will get you set up. I mean, you you've got the uh, the rosin ready, LeBron style for the Classic <laughs> title the game.
7: Ceremonial toss
2: up in the air. Just off to the, uh, the the southeast corner of PBA is Lincoln Southwest as they've been standing and watching with Coach Tim Berta as Southwest going for a second title. Mozi, hang on. We'll come back. About three and a half minutes, uh, we'll get a preview for the title game tonight. You can stream us live, ESPN, Lincoln's Facebook, and also ESPN, Lincoln's Twitter. And, of course, the title game on KFOR tonight with Jeff Motes, KFORnow.com. John Harris providing color analysis. We'll wind down championship week here from PBA with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us?
3: Come here, brother. Give me a hug.
1: The real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailbarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on
2: iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back
1: to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: A thriller in the C2 final overtime. humphrey Lindsay holy family, 43, Grand Island Central Catholic, 42, a lob to the rim at the buzzer with 1.9 seconds remaining. Caught beautifully, executed perfectly, contested at the rim, Motsi. Yeah. Just short, just short. A little more oomph underneath of that, and that probably would have gone in. Just short for the win. It was a little bit deeper into the paint than the old Leitner lob, but it was well drawn up. Yeah, it was. It was was
7: a good inbounds play. Got it, caught it, turned around on the left side of the rim and just short arm the shot, hit the side of the rim, ball game.
3: I was wondering what happened because it was funny. For anyone watching the live stream to see your guys' facial, facial reactions as that was going down, you guys are both sitting there, oh, and I'm trying to figure out like, what's happening. I'm like, checking Twitter, what's going on? <laughs>
2: Yes, yeah, no kidding, right? Caption this, right? Yeah. Uh, Motsi, big ball game tonight. You have uh, Southwest and Fremont, the A final for uh, girls, Class A 2022 on KFOR, KFORNow.com. You and John Harris going to have that. couple of thoughts on uh, the matchup before they tip.
7: I think this will be a great game tonight. I know uh, the previous two meetings, Fremont won uh, one of those being in the Heartland Conference tournament back in late December. Uh, And then they won the regular season game by a a closer margin. But the way that Southwest has been playing in this state tournament, Chris, there's no question that they have picked up so much momentum. Uh, Fremont had some difficulty with Lincoln High early on. On uh, Wednesday night in the semifinals, but found a way to win in the second half and took control. So you got a great player, and Taylor McCabe is going to go play at Iowa next year for Fremont, and you got a great Gatorade player of the year. Gatorade player of the year, and then you got a brilliant young sophomore, in Kennedy Williams, who is such an impressive guard. She's got two more years ahead of her at Southwest. Very impressive. Has been that that quarterback out there for the Silver Hawks. And a great supporting cast there, too. Freddie Wallace, good presence on the inside. Alexa Goble stepped out. Brindley Christensen, a great player, too. So I'm interested to see how this is all going to play out here in a matter of about 20, 25 minutes or so.
2: Southwest has been incredible defensively. Uh, came out of the gate, beat Central a second time despite being undersized. Yeah. Coach Berta has had so many good specials in place. And then uh, some counters off of some previous looks you might see on film. Uh, and uh, Kennedy Williams has been just incredible. She's been phenomenal. And then for, the, for, for Southwest to come out defensively like they did and just kind of stone... An incredible Millard South team, yeah, is is super impressive. Fremont is big; they're physical, they're fast, and uh, you know what? Uh, it's hard to beat a team three times, and that is Fremont's task.
7: <laughs> but if you if you do the same thing to Fremont that you did to Millard South, you got a good chance.
2: They could. Mozi, have a great call. Yeah, thank you on KFOR KFORnow.com. dot Elijah Herbal, we will say hi to you tomorrow morning, good sir. You can't wait with the uh, weekend edition go comb the mustache <laughs> in the uh, green room Jeff Moats, John Harris waiting championship Friday on uh, over on sister station KFOR thanks for hanging with us all week long at PBA and weekend edition of Hale city tomorrow more thoughts on the scrimmage 7 to 9 a.m. take care